Welcome to Sunday service, everyone. Special welcome to those of you who are guests and visitors today, and especially those joining us on the internet. Um, my name is Naya Swami Anandi. This is Naya Swami Bharat. We're very, very happy to be here with all of you today. So we'll begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading. What is it to fail spiritually? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The first passage is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 25. Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins, five of them wise and five foolish. They await their bridegroom, the Christ consciousness. The wise virgins keep the oil in their lamps, symbolic of their devotion, lit through the night. The foolish virgins placed no oil in their lamps, these foolish ones are like the average devotee, going through the motions of outer ritual, but keeping no fire of love burning in the heart. When the bridegroom's coming is announced, the foolish virgins realize their mistake and hasten out to purchase oil. During their absence, the Christ consciousness comes and embraces those who have been awaiting him with devotion. The foolish ones, by their lackluster devotion, are not accepted by him. Watch, therefore, Jesus told his listeners, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda describes the foolish virgin consciousness he encountered in the Mahamandal hermitage he stayed in as a young man in Benares. I was pleased, he wrote, that my new home possessed an attic where I, might, where I managed to spend the dawn and morning hours. The ashram members, knowing little of meditation practices, thought I should employ my whole time in organizational duties. They gave me praise for my afternoon work in the office. Don't try to catch God so soon. This ridicule accompanied one of my early departures toward the attic. Later, during meditation, I felt lifted, as though bodily, to a sphere uncircumscribed. Thy master cometh today. A divine womanly voice came from everywhere and nowhere. This supernal experience was pierced by a shout from a definite locale. A young priest nicknamed Habu was calling me from the downstairs kitchen. Mukunda, enough of meditation. You are needed for an errand. The divine mother's words were not spoken for the benefit of that priest the foolish virgin, but for Mukunda, the wise virgin, for this was the day his guru, Sri Yukteswar, 
came to him. Grieve not, friends, if you feel that you have been foolish. No error is forever. Someday, if you keep your lamp lit now, your opportunity will come. In the Bhagavad Gita, the sixth chapter, Krishna promises every devotee, Arjuna, none who works for self-redemption will ever meet an evil destiny. Repeat that. Arjuna, none who works for self-redemption will ever meet an evil destiny. Spiritual failure, though a deep disappointment, is always temporary. Eternal hellfire is but a projection of vindictiveness in the human mind. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning. Thank you. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity, Mystical Poems by Paramatsu Yogananda. O oh, Father, I hold my heart in my folded hands. Teach me to Saturate my prayers with thy love. Give me the simple, sincere devotion toward thee of a child. Teach me to realize thee just behind the voice of my prayer. Teach me to feel thy breath flowing with my breath. Teach me to cognize thy presence in my emotions. Teach me to perceive thy wisdom in my understanding. Teach me to sense thy all-pervading life in my life. O flood my senses with thy light. In the reading, uh, uh, Christ uh, calls the the, the virgins, he separates them into two groups, uh, the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And uh, as I was meditating today, I was thinking that's a little bit unfair uh, <laughs> in the sense that um, uh, the virgins uh, are really are all devotees, uh, as we know. And, uh, but we're all foolish, uh, aren't we, until we receive Christ consciousness. <laughs> and, uh, but, but our path is a path that goes all the way. And we've been given the techniques and we've been encouraged to have the level of devotion that our whole being is soaring towards God. And uh, uh, Swami said, even the thought that you're meditating is enough to take you out of a deep meditation. And that's a pretty uh, awesome thought, especially if we're in any way uh, conscious as we're meditating. Uh, uh, there's a story of Martin Buber. He's a, a philosopher. And when he was an 11-year-old boy, uh, he was taking care of his grandparents' horses. And he would feed them, and he would uh, care for them and give them treats. And there was one horse that he especially loved. It was a big dapple gray. 
And one day he was petting the mane of the horse, and he had this incredible feeling of otherness where he could feel the reality of the horse, and he could just feel the vitality of the horse in his hands as he petted it. And, uh, and then he felt the petting from the perspective of the horse being petted by an 11-year-old boy. And he was just mesmerized by the experience. And then he started to feel, oh, what pleasure it is to pet the horse. And he started thinking of himself rather than the experience. And then all of a sudden the connection between him and the horse uh, was broken. And the horse didn't even recognize him, uh, where before the horse was just right, right there with him. And that's the level that we all have to come to in our relationship uh, with God in our prayer and meditation of where we're just totally absorbed uh, in God and uh, where the prayer, the meditation is um, uh, we're in the sense of God is the doer. Of course, we get to build up to that uh, and it it takes time to do that. But uh, as in the new path, it said, I don't know if Swami said it or if Master said it, but when we concentrate on the light, our consciousness becomes light, and we get pulled into the reality of God more and more and more. God responds in kind to us, and it's only appropriate uh, that he does. There's a, a pretty remarkable story uh, about a monk who is standing next to Master at the, and it was the end of a, a week of classes, and people were going up to greet Master, and Master had been away, and so people were eagerly uh, wanting to uh, express their love uh, to him. And uh, there was one young man that had just sort of happened to be there, and he walked up to Master with his hands in his pocket like this, and he finally came up to Master, and he took his hand, and it was sort of lifeless, and he reached out. And the monk said that Master was always greeting people in different ways, according to the consciousness of the people. Sometimes he's very animated. But when the man reached out with his lifeless hand, Master, his face went really dull, and with a lifeless hand, he reached out and their hands touched. And then uh, the man put his hand in his pocket and he walked away from Master. And as he was walking away, he looked, and there was an elderly woman who was a very uh, devoted disciple of Master, and she uh, uh, was just pouring out love to Master. And Master just became very animated, and uh, the, the monk standing next to Master said that he could see that Master was just beaming and just giving so much love to this woman disciple. Well, this young man, uh, he saw this, and he thought, you know, I think I missed out on something the first time. And so he got in the end of the line, and he walked all the way up, and then he came before Master, and he took his hand out of his pocket, and with his lifeless hand, he reached out to Master, and Master's face just went blank, and he reached out with a la- uh, lifeless hand and touched his hand, and then, he, uh, and then the man put his hand back in his pocket and walked away. Well, that story uh, is a little bit sad, um, but, you know, the, uh, Swami Kriyananda, in a booklet on, on attunement, uh, he says that to really 
commune with God and to, to be attuned with God, we have to be on the same wave, same wavelength that God is. And God's on the lab, uh, wavelength of pure giving. And so uh, how can God give us anything if we're in uh, more of a pure taking? Uh, and, and we'll take it in the wrong way. Uh, but when we're giving, uh, then uh, uh, God can give us everything uh, uh, that he can, uh, because uh, it'll be healthy for us, and we're on the same wavelength. There's uh, a story of a, a saint, who, an Indian saint, uh, teacher who came to America, and his uh, grandparents, or his grandmother was his guru, and he was about a 10-year-old boy, and she wanted to teach him about attachment. And so uh, she had him sit in a rocking chair, and he said, uh, now I want you to hold on to this rocking chair as much as you can. And so, uh, she, you know, his grandmother was very much stronger and bigger than he was. And so she grabbed him and she started pulling him out. And he tried to hold on as good as he could. And then she pulled him out. And, uh, and she said, well, uh, what was that like? Uh, and he said, well, it hurt, hurt grandmother. Uh, and he said, now I want you to sit down in the rocking chair. And I want you just to, when I pull on you, I want you to just come right up. And so she reached down, and as she grabbed him and started to pull, he just came up out of the rocking chair. And the grandmother said, well, how, what did you feel this time? Well, it was easy, grandmother. I, uh, uh, there was no pain. And uh, this is uh, when we hold on to the rocking chair, uh, we experience a lot of pain in life. And, uh, and if we're so dead set on staying in that rocking chair and having an easy life, God can't pull us out of that rocking chair, and, uh, and it's not appropriate. Uh, God waits until we're ready. Uh, you know, God has a lot of patience. In fact, he's been waiting five million lifetimes <laughs> for each one of us, uh, and perhaps more. Um, but when we adopt a, an inner path, a path of... Uh, taking the life force, withdrawing it, and raising it up the spine to the Christ center at this point. And when we add devotion to it, you know, devotion, it centers the energy in the spine. Uh, and then when you use techniques that center the energy in the spine, like Kriya Yoga, you have an incredible combination. And our, our whole life, and more and more, is just flowing to spirit. And, you know, another word for devotion uh, is sincerity meaning our whole being is behind an action, an ideal, or an expression of God. And uh, where our whole being is giving uh, to it. You know, the life force really represents uh, our sincerity. Uh, if, we are, if it's scattered and going every which way, I remember my uncle um, with my cousins and three brothers, uh, we'd be up to some kind of mischief. Uh, and he would say, J.C., would you guys quit yang-yanging around <laughs> all the time because our energy is just all over the place. But as we, uh, we get more focused on the spiritual life, uh, our, our whole energy uh, is flowing through the spine and our thoughts are more and more uh, of God, uh, moment to moment. You know, it, uh, I, I thought of the image yesterday of that, you know, we always have to keep our momentum on the spiritual path. 
uh, and the idea of rolling a, cone, a, a coin across the table. Uh, often that coin, you know, it starts out really fast, and uh, that momentum, uh, initial momentum, could be from an experience of God coming to us and revealing himself, as we sang in the, in the chant. And we're filled uh, with uh, great inspiration. Uh, but as that coin starts to slow down, what, what, what does it do? It starts to wobble, doesn't it? And then it just falls flat. Uh, and, uh, and so this is why it's so important to uh, keep our momentum on the spiritual path. If we ever uh, hit a dry spot, uh, we should just assess how are we doing, where, uh, where, have been, where have been our priorities. Uh, are we chanting enough? Are we meditating? Are we having satsang? All these different things. Uh, and just incorporate them back into your life. You know, uh, it's a really interesting topic because uh, everybody fails on the spiritual path, anybody that's sincere, because we have really high ideals and we're really trying to do something that's very exalted and we're trying to to do it better and better and better. Anybody that uh, doesn't think that they fell, uh, have fallen on the path, isn't a very introspective person and isn't really trying to to change themselves. Uh, One of the uh, disciples uh, of, of Yogananda had a dream and in this dream everybody was running a race. And as they were running along, uh, at, at a certain point, everybody would fall over. And some would just kind of be stunned on the ground and just sort of be in a daze. And then others would just get up and they would start running. And, uh, and then Swami, uh, hearing about this dream, which uh, Yogananda thought was a superconscious dream, uh, said, well, does everybody fall in the spiritual path? Oh, yes, everybody does. Uh, but, you know, Master... Uh, he said uh, towards the end of his life, he doesn't want nags anymore. He just wants racehorses. And of course, everybody kind of goes, gee, I don't want to be a nag. Uh, and that. But you know, Master said something that was very, very important to consider because sometimes karma comes to us and it just comes and comes and comes. And we get sort of in a, a, a period of time where every, Swami has talked about this, where everything sort of falls apart. And uh, Master said uh, that uh, the attitude of a devotee should be like a tractor because we have the, the valleys of the path and we have the peaks of the path. And, uh, and if we're like a tractor, we're just steady moving forward. And as Master said, we, we have to live in the right way anyway. And, but if our energy is steady, we just move through the rough terrain we, uh, and we... Uh, we're even-minded when we celebrate our victories. Uh, we have the right perspective. And this is the way of steady progress. And this is uh, what, uh, you know, nags, racehorses, it's sort of, if we look at our lives, we probably are both at different times. But if we're even-minded, we're just moving forward, uh, then, uh, you know, we, we'll get there. And the important thing is that, you know, Failure is only when we stop trying. That's very important to, to remember. Because when we stop trying, we get into discouragement. And Yogananda said that discouragement is the tool of Satan. And discouragement means that we think we've for- forgotten our divine identity. And we start to lower our sights of who we are. 
And, uh, and sometimes discouragement could be, or negativity just, could be just an excuse for not trying anymore. But if we just, uh, just identify that we're a child of God and that God is uh, the doer behind everything, do you know that the end of your incarnation when you're about to be liberated, that you review all your actions over all your different incarnations. And in order to be free first, you have to see that it was God acting uh, through you through all those different events. And so, um, you know, just to just really give everything back to God uh, and, uh, and offer it up. There's a beautiful story, and it's... Uh, it's not a true story, uh, but it's a beautiful story. Uh, uh, you know, Christ uh, w- was born in a manger, and he received many, many gifts uh, from three wise men who happened to be, uh, according to our tradition, the, uh, uh, the, uh, some of our great masters, avatars. And, uh, and they had left, and then there was a little boy just at the door sort of looking in. And Christ, the Christ child, saw the little boy, and uh, he, uh, he greeted him, and uh, he said, what do you have to give me? And the boy said, he was a very poor boy, and Christ could see this. And he said, I, I have nothing to give you. Um, uh, are you sure? And he checked his pockets, and he found an old knife. And uh, that was separated from the handle. He said, well, I have this. I can give this to you. And Christ said, no, I want something different from you. And the boy kind of looked at him. And he said, um, uh, Jesus said, uh, I would like uh, the drawing that you made. Well, the boy was very embarrassed about his drawing. Nobody liked his drawing, and it was ugly to look at. And uh, no one would actually look at it. And the, the boy is very embarrassed by it. And, uh, and he sort of reached down and uh, knelt over to Jesus so that Mary and Joseph wouldn't hear as he confessed about how terrible a drawing it was. And so Jesus said, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, so that uh, and, and then he said, also, I'd like uh, the, uh, 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 your plate and the boy this time uh, became very remorseful. And uh, he said, well, it, it's broken. Give me the plate anyway. I'll make it whole, and I'll make you whole. And then uh, for the third gift, Jesus said uh, that uh, I would like you to give me what you told your mother and uh, 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 about the plate. And the boy kind of looked at his feet, and he said, I lied, Jesus. Uh, when they asked me why did the uh, plate break, I said uh, it, uh, it somehow moved off the table, but I threw it down in anger. Well, give me, give me your anger. And so he gave uh, the young child, uh, Christ child his anger. And then he said, I want you always to come to me when, uh, to, you know, to give me everything, everything that you feel remorseful about, and I will make you whole. And it's such a beautiful story because, you know, we're, uh, we're children of God. And when we feel God's presence, we know that. And it's just thrilling. And we see life in a totally different way. And what, 
the great masters, the saints, uh, Divine Mother, they want us all to give what we aren't to them so that all that's re- uh, remaining is their reality. And, and so uh, more and more, just let go of everything. You know, it doesn't define you. It's, it's not who you are. Sometimes uh, it, uh, Divine Mother can make a very good job of helping you to feel that this is your reality. I remember uh, one time I was having a real challenging situation, it was, uh, and, uh, and I just started laughing so much because uh, Master in the Patanjali, he said that uh, God is the greatest magician because uh, he can take what looks to be unreal and make it seem awful real. Uh, but, but Divine Mother's playing a game with us. And, uh, and to just be able to just step back and see that this, whatever momentary failure on my part, it does not define me. Uh, it's not who I am. And if we offer it up and we just uh, and become free of it, then we'll more and more be shining with the light of God. There was a, a, a young teenage girl that joined uh, Yogananda's uh, ashram in uh, Mount Washington. And this um, young teenager, she heard, overheard some of the nuns speaking about their spiritual flaws and recounting them uh, full measure. And so she got the idea from you know, these older disciples that she should create a list of all her flaws. And so she did, dutifully, and then excitedly she took uh, her list of her faults to Master and said, Master, here's a list of all my faults. And Master looked at at her with alarm and said, that's not the way to do it. I want you to love God. Uh, And, you know, it's through loving God that we earn the the Lord's prayer because that's all that God is. This whole universe is just made of love. If you go out into the wilderness and you feel the stillness, uh, some uh, great Ayurvedic uh, uh, doctors, they said that all nature is just a, uh, simply a, a meditation of the cosmic spirit and there's no ego in nature. And you can just feel just, just this universal love surrounding you all over. We, we feel that with each other when we really deeply connect uh, as, as devotees. And, uh, and that's what our reality is. And everything else is just a shadow uh, of that. There's a beautiful story of a poor man who lived in the forest. And he had a hut that had a very muddy floor. And he would always go to the palace to see the king. And, and the king noticed that he was always there. And he looked upon the king with such great love and... Um, and that uh, the, the king was very impressed with uh, the man's countenance. And so the king wanted to visit him. Well, the, the, the poor uh, forest uh, uh, dweller, he's, of course he was very thrilled that uh, the king would come, uh, want to come and visit him. But at, this, but at the same time, he was sort of didn't know what he was going to do because he wanted to, uh, have a place to greet the king that was more fitting to uh, the statue of the king. Uh, he wanted to have it be a, a nice environment. 
Uh, he was unfortunate in that not having a wife who made his forest hut look nice. He was a bachelor. <laughs> and uh, so uh, he just didn't know what he wanted to do because he wanted to honor the king. And he wanted to provide uh, the right environment for the king. And the king, knowing how poor this man was, uh, he sent his attendants uh, days before he was going to arrive uh, to, uh, to visit with the, the forest dweller. And his attendants brought a rug and furniture and flowers and wall decorations and, and food. And they prepared a place uh, fitting for, um, for a king. And, and then the king came and, uh, and they had a wonderful visit. And uh, they just were of two minds. And this is what the Gita promises. Sri Krishna said that I will, uh, um, I forgot the exact words, but uh, you're, I will complete, what, what do you? Uh, oh, actually, I have it right here. I knew that I wouldn't remember. <laughs> Excuse me, I will read. I will make good your deficiencies and render permanent your gains. And the one quality that will do that is just complete love for God. Because God knows that we only want Him and that uh, we don't want to play in His creation anymore and that we can't be bought off by anything else. We just, uh, just want God. And it's a journey, the spiritual path. And it's a journey of more and more commitment uh, and more and more understanding that this is what we really want. But you know, as we go on the path, we, so many of us, perhaps all of us, we've experienced it, that the more that we can give to God, the more that we feel God's presence. And it's God's presence that leads us onward. And, uh, and uh, I was thinking about how can the saints be so intent on finding God? You read about their stories, but it's more and more that inner joy and that fire that uh, is, comes to us. And everything else pales in insignificance uh, as we continue on the path. And more and more, we just want God. And this is the path of divine love. This is where it ends. And this is uh, the journey that we're all on. As Sister Gyanamata said, more and better, greater love, greater love, greater offering. May we all become one in the light of God and the love of God.